0: This is a Culture Inject production. The Nevers Podcast presents, in conversation with,
1: Welcome back to another episode of In Conversation With Today I'm joined by actor Amy Manson Amy, Amy has appeared in Torchwood Once Upon a Time The White Princess and of course The Nevers So uh, welcome to the Nevers podcast Amy Thank you for having me I've been following you guys So I guess we'll just start with some, uh, some background on you So where did you grow up Amy?
2: I grew up um, in a small town Outside of Aberdeen Yeah so it was a uh,
1: Do you still live up in that area now or have you kind of travelled around? I don't. I'm in London at the
2: moment. So well, I moved to London when I was about 17, 18 to attend drama school. So this is where all my buddies are and and what I know. So I guess I've kind of been in London longer than I have in Scotland.
1: Okay, Which is uh, appalling. I guess that kind of leads us into our next question, which is uh, when did you start acting? And uh, was it something that you was always interested in?
2: No, it wasn't something I was always interested in. I attended this um, drama school called Stagecoach on a Saturday morning. I guess, not to keep me out of trouble, but um, because I I don't really know why I attended. Maybe it was more like a confidence thing, I guess, at the start. Um, and I grew just a passion for acting i mean I, I couldn't sing or dance to save my life, but the acting strand at the at the Sassy Dra- drama school really um tickled me, and I guess i just uh i yeah really fell in love with the drama teacher, really connected with her, she believed in me, and really urged me to um trial out for drama schools in London, which I did, and was fortunate enough to get into one central school of speech and drama. Um, on, on the day in fact so my kind of life changed overnight on my first trip to London
1: Wow that's uh, yeah, I it exciting, exciting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you said you were stagecoach so was that performing strictly on stage um, you know have you performed on stage once you kind of got into it or has it mostly been film and television
2: uh, stagecoach was all theatre based so I think we did was, um, the musical Godspell I remember that when I was about 15 and yeah, sang terribly in that. Um, but yeah, apart from that, there was no, there was no it's film or TV. It wasn't like Sylvia Young or anything like that. It was just, you know, it was something that you attended for three hours on a Saturday and, and um, participated in each strand, singing, dancing and acting. And that culminated in an end of term show, much like it does at, at drama school as well, to be honest.
1: Um, is, is, acting on stage something you'd like to do more of now or
2: definitely oh I just miss it so much there was an opportunity for me to be on stage now actually and that that kind of crossed over with the nevers so that was quite unfortunate because I think that gives you a chance to you know really pick apart a character sometimes I just feel that there's not enough time you know and and the research part of what I do is what fuels me and thrills me and what I look forward to sometimes the most out of any, you know, given um, role or, or job. So I think that um, being given the chance to fail on stage, you know, to trial and error and fail and fail again until you come up with what you believe to be, you know, the answer to this this character and the character's headspace is is a golden opportunity that I think any actor should chase and jump at the chance
1: of. And I think it makes you a better actor as well, to be honest. And what was your first on-screen role then? Oh, golly, this is a good
2: question. I think it was still at drama school. It was Bill. So I think it was a domestic abuse case, I think, for a few episodes. Uh, Yeah, and I think that's when I started to drink coffee too, because of the the early morning shifts, (laughs) 5amers.
1: Yeah, long days, you need that coffee to get you going. (laughs) Um, so, how did you hear about the role of Malady? Did you know from the very beginning that the the role was for a HBO series or The Nevers, or was it kind of just you weren't really sure, but you went into it anyway?
2: I knew it was um, HBO, Joss Whedon, um, and it was called The Nevers. But um, Malady had an alias, which was Mabel, and it was only one scene that we had to go on. I think all of us actually every character nobody got a script I don't think there was a script at the time of casting okay. and yeah and, and we I went into Nina Gold's office and um, showed them what I had I made of this one scene and then got a call back and met with Nina and Joss and, and did it again and spoke about the part and the project and and yeah I just I fell in love with, with Mabel even more after that meeting it was, it was great.
1: My next question was, um, uh, could you tell us more about the audition process? So you had the one audition and then they called you back. Was it pretty much you had the part from there and you started working with them or did you have more callbacks?
2: No, that was it. It was one of those meetings that, yeah, I felt like I couldn't have done anymore. You know, it was there like I, I exploded on Josh and um uh, Nina uh, in the sense of you know I just I, I kind of picked that scene apart for weeks so I just kind of yeah exploded and told them everything I thought I knew about this character which of course was irrelevant uh, and and Josh told me everything that, that he made out her to be and um, yeah it was just kind of I found out I think it was a bank holiday weekend so I think it just took a lot longer for me to find out the news and yeah and then when I found out the news I just I called my mum first and then just broke down in tears, as I always do when I get apart. (laughs) So yeah, and then we had to wait a few months, I think, before we started properly.
1: So it's very, very secret, I guess, for you. Yes.
2: (laughs) Yeah, the the only thing we knew was that Laura had been cast.
1: It's funny to kind of, I think you see it a lot. You you assume, I guess, as a viewer, that everybody involved knows everything. But I guess a lot of people wait quite a long time until they know they've got a role and then like you just then you had the role and it was quite a long time before you actually kind of delve in and actually find anything more about it um have you ever sometimes actors also audition for one role but the director or the producers might think that you're more suitable to another role as and cast you in that has that ever happened to you
2: it did yes I did this Film, a Scottish film called Beats, maybe about three, four years ago. And I auditioned for the mother of this, the main character, Spanner. And then I, yeah, then I heard back two weeks later that the um, director, and I think it was actually, a, I owe to his, his um, partner because she said, I think maybe Amy should trial out for the, the mad younger character. So that's what I did. And then I ended up playing her.
1: So with the character from The Nevers, it seems like Malady, out of all of them, would require the most preparation. Um, how did you get into the headspace of a character like hers? You know, how how do you prepare yourself? Do you do you do any research or anything to kind of like prepare yourself physically? Because she's quite, you know, quite a character.
2: Yeah, I, I I tried to think of her because by that stage I knew that there was element. Well, I knew that there was Sarah was there. So we had Sarah and Malady to play with, and I, I, kind of tried to get myself into a space of playing, you know, the archetype of the innocent, and also the archetype of the destroyer, and these were two different factions of the same person that I tried to just intertwine in a way, as though like the audience sees Malady, there's always Sarah vibrating at an under level, you know, the purest form, the love that was within Malady that she hates um, about about the fact that she was Sarah is always there and always bubbling. And I tried to always, you know, that's what malady's suppressing. So I needed to understand what what Sarah was, who Sarah was, um, in order to to understand how I was going to play Malady. And everything that Sarah was, I just played the antithesis of with malady. And I think that you know, Sarah was Malady sees Sarah as a wimp. And and I think she's she ridicules Sarah and hates the fact that she once was that, you know, that woman and who never really had a voice, who, you know, was like saying boo to a goose who was quiet. So Malady's in a mocking mode and when we see her at the beginning of, of or at the end of episode one, but the beginning of her journey. And and language obviously is a big thing with Malady. And it's, I just had to understand how Sarah spoke and made sure that Malady almost, you know, she was taking the mick out of that also. So it's a more grandeur, a more bigger, bolder, um, Cockney accent mm-hmm. that I ended up adopting for Malady. And yeah, it was just, just understanding why she wanted to wreak havoc on society and then understanding. What it would feel like to have gone through what Malady had gone through at the hands of these these doctors, at the hands of people who were supposed to save her and protect her, and that was something else that gave me the drive to play Malady because she's only got you know one direction. It's she needs to find out why she's been chosen by God, uh, and then also uh, you know why she was the one that was chosen to be pulled apart by Doctor Haig. And so Dr. Haig What what she went through, at the hands of Dr. Haig needed to be, be vibrant in my mind, um, to for that to be my objective that, that I'm striving to achieve, or the Malady's striving to achieve the whole way through. And then of course when you get into the room, everything kind of goes out the window because with malady, there are no rules. That's it. I needed to understand all the fundamentals and understand her truth and inner working to then you know, to to throw it all away and and have fun because that's what she's doing. You know, she's she's holding two fingers up to society because of how they they manipulated and and tore her apart, and that's what she's intent on doing to them at the same time. Um, and then and then I had to get her in my body a lot too because I needed to understand how that basically helped me with the quick changes of thought that malady has and to make that conducive to um her you know objective and direction still at any given moment that you see malady because everything makes sense to her of course but as an audience you know another objective of, of Amy as the performer of malady is that I don't want you to fully understand malady ever. That's the that's the beauty of malady that you're you're constantly going, what's coming next? And she's constantly shocking and surprising you as a viewer um but that also that she's she's a step ahead of society and and mundi and all all the angels all the doctors and that's what is exciting about malady because i believe she set up something in episode one that will only come to fruition come the end of episode 12 i hope
1: (laughs) we look forward to seeing that of course yeah. So, <laughs> so too. how much how much of yourself do you think you you brought to the character, and how much was like initially planned out by Joss? Yeah, you know, and how much you, did you have quite a bit of leeway once you were kind of explained who this character is? Did you, did you get quite a lot of freedom for you to figure that out yourself, or was it kind of like this this is what we want, and you had to go with that?
2: There were there. Joss did instill boundaries for all of us, I think, but also there was a lot of he gifted a lot of time for all of us to sit down one on one and discuss. And there was, you know, I needed rhyme and reason as to why Malady was behaving the way she was. And I also found it really hard to find, to understand the coquettish side of her as Malady, you know, that little girl. And, and how I got there in the end was I just understood that that was, you know, another archetype that she played because she could. And that was a form of her mocking Sarah. That's how I kind of I I understood it in my head, but I, I found it really hard initially to um to understand the laugh, you know, that kind of malady's little excitable, like oh wow that that's amazing or oh look what I've done, you know, it's like a pat on the back to yourself. So that took a while, and I think that's the only time that that Joss and I kind of um, had long winded chats as to you know. Does she need to be like this? And and I think that's part of the beauty of Malady. And I'm I'm so glad that um that we kept that in and and you know, he's got such a clear vision and that's he's the creator of this universe and you want to kind of, you know, you want to understand it, but you also want to bring your own, you know, judgment to the character because you're the one that's speaking her truth and thoughts and that needs to make sense you know and there's nobody that, that would ever force me to do things that I didn't want to do and and, and I think I speak for all the cast in that sense um, but I think I always think two heads are better than one and there's so many people that came together and Joss would tell everybody parts of their character and where the character was heading and then we would all kind of piece it together within ourselves you know we'd phone up each other and go did you hear about this or well, this makes sense and this so it was just like a big big jigsaw puzzle um, but very much a collaborative effort with all writers, all producers uh, and all the cast, to be honest. I
1: have to say, you mentioned the law. I absolutely love it. I, I love yeah. that, just that. look. <laughs> I mean, the dialogue that you have is so insane. You are fantastic. But yeah, I love just that because, like you said, she's such a puzzle. And as a viewer, you, you're never quite sure where you're at. So it's little moments like that that just, yeah, throw it out the park for me.
2: Yeah, but it's it's also you do all this to kind of like I felt free on stage, and that's the thing that Joss wanted. He wanted me to be so secure, and he gifted me so much of his time discussing Maladie. Um and and he just wanted me to to be secure to play and change on a on any given moment and on a dime, you know, when I was on stage to have that freedom. So he just went, go and and you do what you wanted to do. There were certain marks that I needed to hit because that's plot and storyline. That all it is, but. But yeah, I felt secure and just being able to do what I wanted to do by the end of it. You know, it's almost like he just gifted me. Yeah. Such a unique, strong willed, resilient human being. And I just had to grasp that and make her my own.
1: Mm. We've got a question from a listener. So uh, this question was given to us on Twitter by our pal Berza Halverson. Um, They want to know, did you model the physicality of Malady? on anyone? Did you get any inspiration on, on this character from anyone else?
2: No, I actually went back to my drama school teacher um, uh, at Central and we worked on the physicality and understanding uh, in Victorian England what ma- how, who Malady was, or who Sarah was as a child and, you know, who she, was, who she wanted to be. She probably wanted to be an FA figure. You know she wanted to be this part of the you know the elite woman, the new woman have her own mind, you know have a job, all this sort of things is what she was attaining to as maybe a teenager and she became um you know a housewife, maybe minus a purpose because there was a cleaner or her et cetera um so with this drama teacher, we worked a lot on um like physicalizing what what it would be like to be Sarah as a child did she was her father around? Um, did she watch her mother in childbirth what that you know did her mother pass away in childbirth what how that meant to her you know and the drama school teacher would ask me you know how does this feel how does it feel not to have a brother how does it feel to be alone in the world and would really push me to understand that sort of pain and and loneliness and and then moving into you know if she was an orphan what would it be like to be present within an orphanage was she you know physically abused by a matron how did that feel um is that where you know the temperamental malady kind of elements of that came came into play because maybe it, how did it feel when somebody hit you you know in the end did you feel angry or you know was it sore just understanding those fundamentals and and those were the building blocks for um for sarah um so when malady gets pulled apart by Dr. Haig. There's elements of of all those traits that Malady adopts um, within Sarah from her past. So yeah, I hope that answers the question. It's all kind of there. And and also we played a lot with um I would be saying a line, then all of a sudden I'd move my body to move into saying another line and find that like like disjointed physicality of malady there as well. Mm. Um, And also, I drank a lot of Red Bull. That helps. (laughs) There's his energy level.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, thank you for the question, Berza. Um, We've got another question from Twitter, from Anil Kinrit. Um, They're asking, the FA reveal was a memorable scene. Um, How far into filming did you know they were going to introduce her character? Like, were you as surprised as we were? Oh, yes. I, I
2: mean, when I remember reading it going, oh, my God oh my God, what the, how am I going to do this? This is like, how are you going to pull it off? Mm. Um, and I remember when, because I adore Chris Blundell, the makeup designer, and I remember Chris wanted to trial out an Effie look. So she took me into set one day and everybody was in the studio filming. So we, we put on um, the Effie wig and initially Effie had these really like big buck teeth And this kind of like a bigger nose, and that was all taken out in CGI because it was almost like Fa stood out too much in this world. In the end, so they kind of had a more subdued um, look to her. And we, I didn't have the costume on, so I just went in and sat in video video village to watch what the you know to watch the cameras and what was going on on set. So I just I just sat down in one of the. I think it was a writer's chair sat down and of course everybody's looking over thinking who's that you know who's and even Joss sat down in the director's chair in front and looked behind like that and then just smiled and looked in the front looked back to the <laughs> nobody said anything and then of course and all the cast were coming I remember Anne Skelly coming over and going oh nice to meet you uh, <laughs> and then I had on her accent and was talking like this and hello and and then all of a sudden I just couldn't and I just broke and started laughing. And it was actually Anne Skelly who, who was like, Amy, oh my God, it's Amy. And then Joss turned around and, yeah, so and he loved it. And that was the start of, you know, the whole, yeah, the whole essay journey. So that was, yeah, that was amazing. But as, as far as knowing that was going to happen within the script, no, we had no idea. That's the beauty of Joss's mind. It's just... You know, it can go off in any different direction, but it just mm. it just so, shows, shows or showed me how, you know, how clever Malady is, really, you know, truly that she had, you know, she had um began this journey from episode one.
1: Yeah, I think that's something we talk about a lot is how, you know, still trying to figure Malady out and how she, we're wondering whether, like, on what kind of is her resting um kind of state because she plays mm. Effie so well which, which which is the act which is this over theatrical kind of put on or is that her normal or is you know we that's something we're questioning with our viewers but um <laughs> she's just yeah so. <laughs> I don't think
2: well I think I think they, they all reside within each other it's one of those um Mat- Matryoshka dolls you know the, oh, right, the Russian yeah. dolls that you unveil, and but the true essence is, um, yeah, it's definitely Sarah there. That's why you know when what happens with with Mary and how Mary has such an effect on her because she's Mary makes her feel love, and that's that's to, that's painful for Malady. And mm. you know it's almost that makes her into a victim, and that's what Malady doesn't want to become. Even though she's gone through everything, she's gone through the hands of Hagen and crony She doesn't want to be a victim. You know, she believes she's going through all this suffering because she's been chosen by God. You know, it's almost like a big, yeah, Greek tragedy in a way. Malady and Effie and Sarah, and, you know, the, the, the tragedy kind of, it leads you to a better understanding of what it means to be human. Yeah. And the humanity is an empathy, kind of lies within Sarah, I think. And and that's why Malady has such fun playing Effie, because that's who Sarah truly ultimately would have wanted to become. You know, a new age woman making decisions for herself, not drinking laudanum, waiting for her husband to come home and, from work, watching the cleaner tidy the house when, you know, she's got no kids and no purpose. And imagine that sort of mind to be in every day mm. in a time when people didn't speak about anxiety. That's exactly what Sarah would have been going through, you know?
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but, so I think I think Effie, she's just relishing. F.A. and who she is and you know especially when she's writing the lines then she's there you know (laughs) she's just reeling them all in and enjoying every moment you know but I think there's still as I say there's element you know there's humanity within there somewhere and I I hope that you know my whole question initially when I started as Malady was like how do you sustain her and these you know she, she vibrates in such a high frequency how do I keep that going throughout however many seasons we're fortunate enough to get and that's it so I think she's a shapeshifter and I think she's the one that we have to watch out for through it all to be honest
1: great well uh, thank you Anila Kinrit for the question thank you uh so Malady is an intense and erratic character uh do you do anything once the director calls cut you know to go back to your trailer and get back into like Amy's mindset
2: yeah, it kind of feels like Malady feels like what it what it feels like for me to be on stage, and I've been fortunate enough to play these huge, stunning characters in some surreal plays in my life, and the weight of you know text, context, um, and and performing on stage is so heavy that when you come off, you almost just feel like like numb, and your brain just kind of switches off, and that's what it feels like to be malady the adrenaline is pumping and it's so high that it is it's just like you just at the end you're just there. so you kind of you know I I stopped speaking to friends and family so much because you I would come home and they would want to find out what the day was like and how it was working with everyone and but it just takes so much mental energy to understand her let alone physicality to hop about as her that um yeah that I would I would come home and yeah just have to kind of It's weird because your body's still going and your mind's still going, but it feels like you're not thinking about anything. So I guess that's adrenaline, isn't it? But a nice cup of tea and, yeah, chill time.
1: So talking kind of about mental health, you're saying, you know, stuff like this can take a bit of a toll on your mental health. Um, You're a champion of mental wellbeing and have worked with charity organisations. How did you get involved with them and, and why are they important to you?
2: Absolutely, yes. We, we My uh, cousin um, who's in the Air Force, his mother um, uh, took her life by suicide maybe uh, about 13, 14 years ago. So he's a big champion for mental health awareness and he asked me to join a charity cycle um, for Heads Together maybe about three years ago. And I I joined him and my other cousins and some of his friends who were in the Air Force or some Olympians. And we cycled across Scotland from Glenfinnan to Stonehaven, which was strenuous. But we did it like 180 miles in four days. Um, And I just got the bug for, yeah, for being outside and cycling. And, um, yeah, for, for, you know, the people that I spoke to doing that opened up my mind to the you know effect I could possibly have through my reach to my fans you know and that's when I started to think about it more seriously so in lockdown last year um, another friend is head of a a charity up in Abbeymore in Scotland Uh, and it was a respite for children with mental difficulties but now Alzheimer's Scotland has taken over the premises so I went there to just to help maintain the land and plant trees and mow the lawns and all of the above and also at the same time you know i lived in a pod in the middle of nowhere uh in a forest surrounded by these beautiful mountains and i also got to the stage where i I had to to step back from the work every day and kind of go what do i need to nurture myself because it could have been a very lonely existence i mean it was but it was a very you know it was a life-changing um time for me and and also you know I had to, to step away sometimes and go what do I need to calm my mind you know to be kind to myself to give myself some self-love and, and that entailed lock swimming or getting out of the bike you know the wind in your face and just to be able to switch off your mind um, for a while and just be kind to myself so that's something huge that I I kind of adopted when I was up there in the wilds, in the wilds of Scotland
1: I bet it's beautiful up there
2: no, but I know I, I miss it now actually Yes, if I could hop on a plane right
1: now and... um, So much of your work has been Sci-fi and fantasy shows And films uh, Using Doom Annihilation, The White Princess Once Upon a Time, Atlantis Being Human and now The Nevers uh, So your genre of choice Seems to be sci-fi. Uh, sci-fi Is that fair to say? Yes, yes definitely I don't know why
2: I think I fought for all those roles. So um, I don't know, again, maybe the heightened emotions because I don't connect that, those sorts of emotions in my everyday life. I don't know why I tend to gravitate towards and understand those sorts of um, psyches, I guess. So there's no rhyme or reason there either. I It's just kind of been, I don't, believe in luck, I believe you make your own luck, but the luck of the draw, I guess, and, and what's coming come up at any given time. But they've always been powerful women. You know, they've gone through a hell of a lot of pain. Um, and they they probably all need to go and live in a pond the Podden Island. Um <laughs> <laughs> self care. But they've always been a joy and and all always so physical as well. And you know, I used to train heavily um in netball for, for Aberdeen. So I think maybe it's something to do with that as well. I don't know that they've always been kind of powerhouses of, of women and require a lot of physical exertion. So maybe there's elements there that I'm drawn to as well. I, I don't know. I never really thought that, thought, sat down and thought about it in <laughs> that way.
1: But you enjoy it and that's all that matters.
2: Yeah, I love <laughs> it so much. Because there's always such a journey and such an arc. And, you know, the characters' super objectives are so heightened and I'm just outlandish that you know it's not just us having a chat here you know and somebody's filming it although I would like to maybe do something a bit more subdued like that and for it to be more normal I guess but (laughs) my friends would probably say that I'm not normal so maybe there's (laughs) elements of my character and myself Oh (laughs) Um,
1: Is it true that you were almost cast as Diana in the CW uh, Wonder Woman series Amazon uh, before plans were cancelled by both the network and the producers?
2: Well, I think that was taken a bit far out of context um, uh, Well, I went in a few times Like everybody does And then that, you know You go, like what I said about the job situation But normally you would go in again and again And then have a screen test And all that sort of um, Additions that require energy But but no, I just went in a few times for that And for every journalist to get to the next level To probably sell a newspaper So, <laughs>
1: um, Is there is there a dream role that you'd like to play?
2: Mm, I'd say Malady's as close to a dream role as, as there's ever gonna be, you know?
1: Mm.
2: I hope that this goes on for a long time because I'm having so much fun playing her. But I guess, um, yeah, I mean Lady Macbeth, you know, and a lot of the plays that I've done are women, you know, it all falls into this this kind of banner of, yeah, again, Greek tragedy and it's all these sorts of emotions that I'm able to explore and the psychologies of these women. And understanding why they all behave the way they do. And yeah, that's it gives me a real kick. I wake up every day feeling like, you know, a Monday's my Friday. It just excites me so much, the storytelling element of it. And, you know, I'm grateful for any job that comes my way. And I, I hope now after the never's I'm able to, you know, that maybe gets me to a level where there's there's that I stay at, you know, the sort of malady kind of beautiful, um, huge shapeshifter characters, I guess. Challenging characters, that's what it is, isn't
1: it? Nice and challenging, yeah. Um, So, when the show returns for the second half of the season, uh, it's helmed by the new showrunner, uh, Philippa Goslett Has the cast already met with her, and do you all know where she plans to take the show? So,
2: we haven't met in person, but I've spoken to her about three, four times. She, again, is very, very grateful for time. And understanding of Malady, and I was in the writers' room the other day. So, um so I mean, I thought everything that went on with Malady this season was mental and and wonderful. But next, and part B is just <laughs> mind blowing. I mean, I I never knew how they would, yeah, how you know what Malady's journey was going to be, and how I was able to kind of progress that. But it's it's it just gets even better. It's, It really Mm -hmm. is phenomenal writing and all these writers have put in a a lot of time. So I know where my art goes up until episode 12. And you're excited. excited. (laughs) It's so great. Yeah, I'm like, how does it get better? But it gets better. It's so great.
1: Well, when the actors and the people involved in the show are this excited about it, then, you know, that gives us something to be really, really excited about.
2: Yeah, we all are. And even on WhatsApp, but none of us have got together to, to speak about this as yet. I don't think any of us will speak about storylines until we start whenever that will be this summer sometime. Um but they're writing scripts, yeah, as WeChat type thing and yeah, it's it's just phenomenal. There's no scripts like it. I honestly these are the best scripts I've ever read in my life and best storylines, truly, and for that to be kind of, you know, um kind of mirrored with like Gemma Jackson's artwork and the sets and you know everything coming together I'm working with people at the top of the game and that's the gift and that's the what I'm grateful for every day to be honest mm. it's that's the challenge you know and it's watching people and, and enjoy, seeing them enjoy what they're doing because of because of fundamentally the scripts that we've been giving and that's where it starts good writing you know and good HODs just culminate in, in such you know beautiful stories
1: uh, we've got another question. Uh, this one mm-hmm. is from Shadow Corp DE on Twitter. Um, how do you think Malady's mission differs from Amalia's? Why would Malady, you know, why why would Malady have a different vision? Um, and could they potentially be the same mission, but they've just been interpreted different?
2: Oh, these are kind of season two questions or, or part one B. But yeah, no, really great questions. I know because I, 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 well, to be honest, I don't know why Malady's the one that sees, you know, the spaceship and yes. why, you know, Malady's seems to be spored more than the rest of the touched. But there will be a reason and I hope it unveils itself in part, in part B. And yeah, I, I still, like, like I say, you know, we kind of go script to script. So the storyline's just or we did do that with the process before, whereas I think maybe now, well, I've been told my, my arc, but but I'm not sure if we'll be given all six episodes yet for season season one part B. But I'm sure we will understand why it's why, you know, Malady's been the chosen one or what she's gonna bring to the party and and also, you know, figure out yeah, her mission. She wants to too. You know, she wants to understand why She's been, or why she's God's inflicted all this pain on her, yep. you know, and she thinks that she's chosen like Christ was. So I want to know as as a the performer of her as well, um, why she's had to go through all this torment, basically.
1: Yep. Thank you for that question, Shadow Corp. Thank you. Uh, we've got another one from Punk Rock Homos on Twitter. Um, I love your hair. They say first of all. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> What do you like most about playing Melody?
2: The hair. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, she doesn't like be dragged through a beach. Although this is kind of straight and ish. My, my hair isn't naturally like Melody's, it's super like mad and curly. Hmm.
1: Um,
2: so, what do I like about
1: playing Melody? Yeah. Yeah, what's your favorite yeah, thing? The favorite, just everything.
2: I love <laughs> that, you know, it's like like I say, the challenges, the energy malady it's almost like starting malady i was like how am i going to do this i can't do this and then as i was going through the process of speaking her words i almost felt like just like watch me watch me do this because i'm doing it and i'm investing um so i guess when i'm able to have fun and be peculiar i think and be weird and for that to be okay and for her to kind of not care what people think, you know, I think the beauty of her is that she's head of the, you know, the underground faction and, you know, she's the leader and she's she's not like the other touched who have to, you know, who have been ostracized from society and have been looked down upon and are made to feel bad about their powers and things. She's she's able to enjoy it and inflict pain on others and and she relishes that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think that that power is The gift of malady And that's what I enjoy Playing Just because she gets away With what literally murder Doesn't she She gets away with anything
1: Yeah you're right though I haven't really thought About the fact that She's the one touched I suppose That's not hiding From society You know She's the only one That's putting Mm. herself out there During all of this
0: Absolutely Um, And
2: I think There are still You know with malady It's um, it's all about trust She went through Such a betrayal At the hands of Amalia That You know, it's it's why does she surround herself with her cronies that she's got around her? You know, from Repeater um, to Clara and the Colonel. You know, it's like why are these these certain people around? Um, and they have to keep moving, don't they? Well, what, what, didn't they stay in Selfridges or Claridges or something? Wasn't it
1: mm-hmm.
2: Claridges or something <laughs> at the time? And the Colonel pretended to be Prince Philip or something. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: thought that was
2: funny. Um, but yeah, they've just got all the power in the world and that's it, you know, and she's enjoying it.
1: Well uh, thank you very much for your question, Punk Rock Homos. Um, so kind of on the same lines, but um so do you think Malady can redeem herself? Because she's you know, she's she's done a lot, she's been tortured, she's done a bit of torturing and killing herself. Is is there still chance of redemption for her?
2: I, I've never played a character that I didn't think was redeemable. However, I, I don't know if, you know, once once you get into a headspace like that, I don't know how easy it is to come out of it if you don't have access to, like, the Priory or Rehab or some sort of things like that. But I, I hope through whatever sort of powers or through God or the Galantia or something that, that I don't know. that I mean, her, if, she, if you change her temperament, then she doesn't become malady. You know, I think I hope that maybe she she doesn't need to forage on and, and kill people all the time and kill innocents of society as well. You know mm. that side of her, I'm a bit like oh, don't agree with. But but she wouldn't be Malady if she if she wasn't you know this crazed ball of energy. Would she really? So I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know how she can operate the way she does. Still, I mean, mm. she's got big vendetta against take. And I hope that that's not resolved for a long time yet. You know, we <laughs> have got to see all that play out. And I hope that plays out. And I hope we actually do see what happened to Malady in, yeah. in Haig's torture chamber. I mean, we do get the just because of the shock troopers and watching what Haig's doing, you know, the lobotomy to one of the shock troopers and things. So I hope we see what happens over the three years that he's pulling her apart. And also, I'd also like to see what happens with her you know her, the, her superpower with the eyes. We haven't really seen how she, how she left, have we? Well, say not. How she she got away from Hague, Uh and how she hasn't ended up as numb and flat as all the shop troopers. You know, yeah. Why she still has a conscience, um, but the rest of them don't. Or maybe yeah. Rose, it's Rose isn't it? One that shop trooper. She does.
1: Rosie? uh beth, beth beth that was Rosie and beth wasn't it? that's all right yeah it'd be interesting because obviously malady was with the doctor for quite a long time and mm. like you say in such a short period of time he seems to do this zombification almost process to the oh, other touch so yeah what was she you know what 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 did malady go through and why why was her torture so much different to what it, you know to all the other touched but um Things we will find out hopefully (laughs) They always reveal
2: themselves (laughs) I remember everyone in the state With episodes one and two Going too much information We need this And I just felt like Tranquilo It will all explain itself As it does come episode six Not all I mean of course There's heaps that we need answers to But all Mm -hmm. the big questions Have been answered And will thus far As we move forward
1: Um. Moving away from the Nevers for a moment, uh, you have a couple of projects in the works. Spencer, which is a historical drama about Princess Diana, and She Will, which is a thriller currently in post-production. Can you tell us anything about those movies and who you play in them? Yes. Yeah, so, um, uh, Spencer, I
2: play Anne Boleyn. Um, and you, yeah, you figure out, it's a beautiful script by Stephen Knight, and you figure out who, what, how she fits into the Princess Die storyline you know, in the film, and it's pretty transparent. Um, and um, She Will is quite a, yeah, it's quite a cookie script too. Um, and I play um, kind of a caretaker of the land and it's kind of a weird um, uh, getaway for um, people of a certain age to go and kind of like, you know, paint, look after themselves, etc. but everything's not as it seems. In the Highlands of Scotland It's like a retreat um, That turns into Not being what it says On the page
1: So this is our last question If you could have a turn Of your own in real life uh, What ability what, what ability Sorry Would it be uh, And it could be anything It doesn't have to be one That's in the show Just anything of You know Anything you could do I would probably Just uh,
2: Probably that I could Fly over to see my My family in Australia Quicker because it takes ages. So my sister's over there with my nephew, and I miss them terribly. So that would be it. I could just transport myself there, like a jetpack that would just like take me five minutes, 10 minutes actually, to, get, to get from here to <laughs> Perth in Australia. That'd be great.
1: 10 minutes would be a very good travel time all the way to Australia, yes.
2: <laughs>
1: Although they, they do it in 17 now, don't they?
2: 16 oh, really? hours sometimes. Yeah, on, that, on the yeah, street, London to Perth.
1: Mm. Wow. <laughs> Well, uh, thank you very much for taking the time to chat to us today, Amy. Um, thank you. you. Like, where can people find you if they want to find you on social media?
2: Um, I'm, I'm not really on Twitter that often, if I'm it. So um, Instagram is more me. Um, yeah, and I do get direct messages and everything. So
1: yes, message away. <laughs> um so yeah thank you to our listeners for tuning in and uh this has been the nervous podcast thank you very much <laughs> oh you're so welcome
0: This episode of The Nevers Podcast was written, produced, and edited by Matthew at Culture Inject Studios. The intro and outro music was produced by Gilirme Morais. We are more than just a podcast. We're a fan community. You can keep up to date on The Nevers and chat with other fans. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search HBO The Nevers, all one word, and click that follow button. The Nevers Podcast is not endorsed by Mutant Enemy warner media entertainment or any of its subsidiaries including home box office hbo and is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only the nevers and all names pictures and audio clips are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective copyright holders
2: that was great I've, I've not actually yeah I've not spoken to anybody for a while about Maladie so that was lovely it was ace questions as well and thank you for letting me <laughs> clap and <clap away. laughs> listen sometimes people don't listen you'll be shocked I really <laughs> yeah you can see them maybe lot of us are thinking about next questions and things but it's nice when you can have a nice conversation and you guys obviously are huge reading fans and, and obviously my, my fans. so thank you for pushing the nevers and etc at your end
1: no worries, we're enjoying it. It's uh, it's been yeah, it's been fantastic. It's one of those things because you kind of look forward it look forward to it so much, and then you <clears> worry. <throat> so I kind of always go in, you know, level headed. I don't I don't like to go in like crazy fan and be disappointed. So yes. go in go in at a normal level, and yeah, i absolutely loving it so far. And you are just fantastic. So
2: <laughs> oh, thanks, Laura. Thank you so much. We'll just wait see what's in store next i'm excited i'm excited (laughs) yeah i need to get my head down lots of work to do